out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games if you already have ootp 19 then you have perfect team just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side and you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Euchre and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said Snuffy Sternweiss. That's a real player. Once you have your team, you build your lineups, you build your rotation, you pick the strategy that you want. You want to run a small ball team. You want to be a full sabermetrician. You want to be somewhere in between. You want to run an unorthodox. You can choose you know, how often that you're stealing, how often you're using shifts, the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers. A lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. Hello and welcome to episode 631 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, January 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I've got the ninth episode of Call Your Shot Hall of Fame Edition ready to go. If you're unfamiliar with Call Your Shot, what I do is ask you to leave your unpopular opinions, blistering hot takes, and thought-provoking questions uh, regarding a particular topic or just sometimes a free-for-all. This happens to be the Hall of Fame Edition, so I'm looking for everything uh, with respect to to the Hall of Fame. Yes, this is a copy of uh, of Anthony Fantano's Let's Argue series that he does for music, but let's just jump right into it. Uh, 80 underscore J-Rod says, to me it is a museum that documents the history of the game. So anyone part of that history should be in with an explainer. I don't like Schilling, for instance, but he belongs in. Well, to that I would say, all the guys that, that aren't in that are that are worthy are in the Hall of Fame in some capacity. If if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, borderline enough to have a case to have been debated, then you've done some things that are memorable to where you're represented in the Hall of Fame in some capacity. So I think that already happens if that's all you're looking for. Now, maybe you're talking about they should have they should have a bust and or or, or a plaque in there, but I think that's a different different discussion. Like. You know, Pete Rose is acknowledged in the Hall of Fame, but he's not in because 
you know, he bet he bet on baseball, and I personally don't really have a problem with that, and I think it makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, that really depends on 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 what you're talking about there. I, I hear things about like, I think some some comments will come up with this exact phrasing, like tell the story of baseball. You can't do it without so and so. Well, don't worry. That it's not being told without Barry Bonds. There, there's there's plenty on Barry Bonds. From what I know, I have not been. Still, definitely something atop my uh, list of things to do is to get to the Hall of Fame without a doubt. Uh, all right, next up is Jerf Solo. There shouldn't be a system that bars anyone from getting in. It shouldn't be a magical thing to get in. It should be a place to remember great players, not to exclude the ones that couldn't summon a magical percentage. I think this goes back to the J Rod one though that we just talked about where. All these guys are represented in some capacity, including guys who, you know, might not have even made the ballot. Like, the Hall of Fame celebrates the game. There is tons on it. So I think to that end, there is the representation that that we're looking for. It's just a matter of of how far you want to go with that representation. So I think that that's really the debate that we need to hammer down and kind of figure out where we're at. Maybe J-Rod and Jerf uh, are speaking specifically about, you know, full-on induction in which case we could still talk that further but as far as being represented in the hall of fame all these guys still are so to that end they they, they're the story isn't being told without these guys next up is at paul castava he says kurt Schilling should be in over roy halliday despite Schilling's awful takes and halliday leaving us too early and i actually agree with this one um quite a bit you know you Without fully getting into all this post-season or excuse me, post-career stuff with Schilling on Twitter and and you know what he's become, there is like a, there there's a morality clause that that uh, that voters can take into account. But I would I would say if I were a voter or or to a voter, I'd say you better have been doing it throughout. You can't selectively apply it just because you don't agree with the asinine stuff that that Schilling does and has said, um, and and then you weren't applying it to somebody else who you know might have done awful stuff that didn't bother you as much. You, you, I don't think you can pick and choose. If you're going to uphold that morality clause on on a massive level, it's going to play a big role in your voting. That's fine, but it needs to be consistent. Um, so yeah, as much as I love Roy Halladay, he was one of my favorite pitchers when he played. I got to go with Schilling over him too in terms of the merits, and the the, the merits are absolutely there for for Schilling and Musina. I would is another one I would say belongs in over Halliday. Now all three can get in. I've got no problem with that. I do think all three are Hall of Fame caliber pitchers, but I think Schilling and Musina are actually kind of a cut above Halliday to where they should they should be in clear of Halliday. And it looks like Halliday is going to make it in tonight, and the other two might still be on the outside looking in. Um, next up, oh, I was gonna do this one, but then I kind of talked it through, and so I, I don't think I don't think he meant uh, what he was going for there. As my uh, my guy Ry Ry Jones was saying, the Hall of Fame has been the Hall very good for a while, and Baines did nothing to lower the entry that hadn't already been done years prior. And I was I asked him to expound because I, I I figured he might have been talking about the Veterans Committee versus the voters, and that's what it ended up being. So he just said, you know, oh. I thought everyone he could think of was on Veterans Committee, and, and so he said, carry on. So we're good there. <laughs> Next up is from Ogen Exo, my girlfriend, for those who don't know, and she says, you should be in it. I don't think I should be in the Hall of Fame, but I do appreciate that. You know, Get, get you someone who supports you like that, 
uh, my girlfriend put me in the uh, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I'm not in the Hall of Fame and, and probably won't be ever until I go there to visit and I'm standing in the Hall of Fame and can actually say I'm in the Hall of Fame. Next up, you never heard of this guy, Justin Mason FWFB, some clown, has, probably has an egg avatar and six followers. <laughs> Says the Hall of Fame doesn't really matter because we're all going to die alone anyways. Wow, Justin, really put a really put a damper on this one, my guy. Not nice. All right, moving on. At uh, Malkin R O T Y 2007, the 15-year eligibility rule was lowered to 10 to get bonds off the ballot quicker. That's probably true, and to some degree, and, and others. You know, um, bonds tends to shoulder the entire load for the steroid era, which is absolutely stupid in every conceivable way that he and Clemens really kind of carried the torch on the hitting and pitching side for that. But um, yeah, I could definitely see that. And it's completely asinine that, that it's, that it's probably the case because there's no real need to do that. Similar with the, uh, with the minimum vote thing, like who cares? Like what, you know, you're working on chiseling down the bottom uh, of the uh, of the ballot when the big issue is the top of the ballot. And by putting the cap on how many people could vote for, you've cluttered up that. Who cares about the guys at the lower end? Yeah, the ballot might be much bigger with some some of those five percenters that are kind of or below five percenters because if you have five percent, you get to hang on. Some of those guys might have been hanging around till they got a fair shot to get looked at. And I'm not of the opinion that. If you're not an automatic Hall of Famer, you're not a Hall of Famer. No, I, I, just, I just don't agree with that because it's not just, it's already the top 1%, right? And I think the people who are steadfast on that, they want it to be like the top quarter of a percent. And that's just a little bit a little bit much to me. I think there are various types of Hall of Famers. There's, there is the 20-year accumulator, you know, who had plenty of good seasons too. You can't just... Uh, hang around for 20 years with a 85 WRC plus and, and, you know, make it that way with, unless you had maybe super, super elite defense or something like that. Cause I actually might've just said, that might've just been Vizquel what I was just saying. But my point is, I think there's different types of, uh, of hall of famers there. And you have your inner circle and, you know, you can kind of make your inner circle there. Even if they came up with something where it was an inner circle, I wouldn't necessarily be against that, but you know, I think there are rings of the Hall of Fame, and it doesn't just have to be the, oh, my God, it's Walter Johnson. You know right away that's him. That's Tom Seaver. It's Ken Griffey Jr., and that's it. No, I, I, don't, I don't believe that to be true at all. I think there are, there are different ways to kind of uh, get in there. But, yeah, as far as, uh, as far as the eligibility and the limits, it's done more harm than good. I don't think it's done any good, really. Uh, next up is at Leon Terry says Edgar's power doubled at age 32 in the mid nineties. And he had nearly 900 OPS at age 40 closet PED candidate. I mean, obviously when you play in that era, people put the suspicion on just about everyone that played in that era, fair or not. And it tends to be unfair, I think, because, um, you're not really going off of any proof. And there are, like, to be a Hall of Famer, which I believe Edgar is, you're exceptional by, by nature. You're, you're extraordinary in different ways 
just by nature of the fact that you're a Hall of Famer. So to do things that that not everyone does and that stand out, well, that's how you became a Hall of Famer in the first place. So I don't think that inherently means that you cheated your way to get there. You know, there were guys pre-90s who had late career surges or, or did extraordinary things in their late 30s or early 40s. It's not the norm. And, um, you know, at this point, I, I wouldn't be surprised on anybody. But that, that doesn't mean I'm going to tag that on anybody either. I wouldn't be surprised on anybody who was uh, said to have used or, or, or proven to have used, I should say, uh, is what I mean by that. But I wouldn't just that doesn't mean I label everybody. Into, you know, it's not guilty until proven innocent for me. I'm also of the mind that, you know, they're not magic beans. I don't really think that they take you from a mid-level player into a Hall of Fame caliber player. I just, I just I just don't really believe that. They keep you on the field. That certainly helps, particularly for volume. Uh, they can build the muscle mass. You know, uh, guys that tend to take them actually tend to work harder. You know, people say, them, say they're an easy way out. I don't necessarily agree with that because you hear the stories from the guys who did take them and and they actually work harder to get the full effect of them but that, i'm not saying hey we should applaud steroid users uh, pd users because they are in the gym more often or anything like that i'm just saying like some of the characterizations of peds i think are remarkably flawed in that you know they just turn you into some magically amazing player they're the easy way out etc etc there is value to them and guys, you know, that maximize them absolutely gain value. But it does not take you from, say, Jay Bruce, a perfectly cromulent MLB player, who's going to end up with a very solid, you know, capable career. It doesn't take you from that to J.D. Martinez. Okay? It doesn't take you from, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of somebody who's more of a and in all do all things power speed guy but not quite amazing don't think from jackie bradley jr to mike trout it just doesn't you know and so even the guys who we know use them a lot of those guys were were what they were before and after so they might have gotten a small edge and i understand that if you listen if you cheat you broke the rules you serve your suspension and 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 you get in trouble for it. I'm not saying just because that I don't clutch my pearls and freak out over them that you shouldn't face a penalty because there are rules in place now. There weren't rules in place back in the day, and I'm not saying that that absolves them either because you know that's too much of a crutch too. That people say, well, they, baseball they never rule against it. Well, they were you know anabolic steroids were um, against U.S. law. So you can't just say because baseball didn't have something on it that you can break the law freely. So anyway, it's it's definitely a rabbit hole, and it, you can go a lot of different ways with it. But for me, the idea that uh, the Hall of Fame is clean as is right now, so we can't let anybody else in that that's done stuff, is completely wrong. There's no universe where I believe that. Um, the idea that the PEDs of the 90s, just because they might have been more advanced than those of say amphetamines in the 60s and 70s um so we 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 still revere all those guys who openly admitted to taking amphetamines every day to play versus the more potent stuff of today uh, i don't agree with that at all because guys been getting edges forever and and always looking to get those edges and they've advanced over time but if you don't think there's plenty of guys that that cheated their way 
that cheated and then are in the Hall of Fame now, I can't help you, man, because you're just wrong. You're just flat out wrong. And so, I don't know. For me, I just, the guys like Bonds and Clemens, I'm not keeping them out. I'm not, I'm just not. Now, you know, someone like a Manny Ramirez is a little bit of a different case, right? Because they're, and even A-Rod, who I, 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 I wrestle with for sure because he was so damn good. It was on the books, though, that if you did this, you get suspended. You know, it's a lot more concrete. Not that I'm sitting here trying to prove that Barry Bonds isn't a Hall of Famer. Or, or um, not that I'm trying to sit here and, and prove that Barry Bonds didn't do anything. I'm not saying that. Or Clemens. Just because they didn't fail a sanctioned MLB test. Let me take a drink here. But, I don't know, man. I just lean on the side of uh, not trying to play arbiter on all of it and, and thinking that I have all the answers. Some of the some of the flimsy suspicions that get placed on some of these players and, and guys just run with it, whether they're voters or just fans and analysts like myself, it's nuts to me, and I'm, I'm just not going to do it. So, All right, next up is I am, I am damn, D-A-M-M, good. I'm saying the names in case you guys want to follow them. And give them a follow, or, or you can go to the uh, main tweet that's in the show notes and and respond and join the conversation as you as it were. Uh, Barry Bonds not being in the Hall of Fame makes the Hall of Fame a joke. Actually, well, actually, the voters every year he is delayed puts an asterisk on the entire process for me. Baseball is already dying compared to the NFL and NBA, and keeping guys like Bonds out just speeds up the process, in my opinion. Uh, and I actually responded to this one, knowing I would also talk about it on the pod. Because uh, I said I agree with most except the game dying. First off, I don't believe it's dying. Nor do I think that uh, even if you want to get into the, the things about the the age brackets of fandom with the MLBs you know, not having a, a big enough clutch on, on the youth, that is a, a very big problem for sure in terms of the long-term viability of things. Not that the game is going to die, and I really don't see it like going the way of boxing or anything like that. It's just, it's just not. But um, this does not impact that, would be my main point. Even if you want to get into all the uh, ins and outs of fandoms across those three major sports, because those are definitely the three at the top, and then it's kind of a cut down to uh, MLS and NHL and, and you know individual sports and all that sort of stuff. Uh, this would not change that. Putting Barry Bonds in would not bring a ton of kids to baseball because the kids in question – Many of them probably don't know who the hell Barry Bonds is. So, but yeah, you know, he should be in. I mean, that's just how I feel. And I don't know if we have one on this list, but I don't agree with the folks that are like, well, if you put in Bonds, you got to put in Rose. Miss me with that one. I, I don't, I don't see the link between saying the guy who use PEDs is the same as the guy who who bet on baseball. That's me though. Maybe you guys see it differently and you can let me know. You can always respond to the in the comments of of this of the post for this podcast or jump in the uh jump in the Twitter thread that's that's going to stay stay live obviously. I'm not taking any more questions once I post this, but it'll stay live and we'll keep we'll keep bantering about the discussion. And we'll see who gets uh, voted in here soon. I think about 30 minutes. So let's continue on here. 
Uh, this is another one that's just kind of the same. I'll read it quickly because I, I obviously already agree. But at Matt K underscore FS, if Bud Selig and Harold, Harold Baines are in the Hall of Fame and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are not, you might as well just shut the whole thing down uh, for all the credibility that that line of thinking lacks. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to shut it down, but like I, I, I get it, right? Especially Selig. Selig in with the PED guys not, like that is... That is one that's tough to swallow. I don't really bring in Bonds or uh, Baines there because that's a veterans committee thing, and I, I don't really like crapping all over B- Baines when he didn't do a damn thing to deserve any of this. All he did was get voted in. This is not his fault. It really, I understand invoking his name is. It, we're talking about what the veterans committee did, but we shouldn't even bring his name into it because it it shits on his name when it's the Veterans Committee who did it, and it's just not fair to Baines. He didn't ask for all this heat for, for just sitting there and being on the Veterans Committee and getting voted in, so congrats to him. He wouldn't you know, he wouldn't have met my standard or whatever, but he got voted in, so I, I don't want to take away from Baines uh, just because he didn't do anything to deserve hate on any of this. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, see that this this was one. It's from uh, the the name James backwards S E M A J, O seven eight nine, and it's the Hall of Fame is irrelevant as long as Bonds and Rose aren't in. Again, fully agree on on Bonds. Not that necessarily that's irrelevant, but that they have credibility issues and that they need to f- fix that. But disagree on on the Rose bit for sure. Um, yeah, I just I just don't see it as a one to one. At Curtis Fingers says if it pains me to say this. But if she, but Schilling belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I can only imagine how nauseating his induction speech will be, right? It could be terrible. Uh, but yeah, again, co- covered that a little bit earlier. I do agree he belongs. And guys, I am reading these kind of... I, I've gone through the thread a bit, but I did not pick out certain ones. I'm just reading down. So some of these do have some kind of repeat thoughts, and that's why we'll kind of push through them if I've already addressed the crux of their, of their point. Uh, dubious distinction aside, I don't think you can simply ignore Sheffield's numbers. They were remarkable. More BBs than Ks, and that's at, at Jumpin' Jeets. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Sheffield. I, I think he's a great player, and I definitely think that he's very Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, you know, has, has a strong case that needs to be dissected and looked at as somebody who could, who could definitely go in. Let me take a look at where he is on Jaws, because I really do respect Jay's uh, method, you know, not just because he works here but because I, he's amazing at this like he's he's second to none as far as uh, hall of fame stuff goes so i do put a lot of stock in jaws and the thoughts that jay has on hall of famers so let me go see here he's got him 23rd at right field right around some hall of famers but also some non-hall of famers um so his jaws number is let's see here 49.3 and so that's 23rd. And if you look kind of from 19 to, say, 26, kind of that, that range there, you got Winfield in the hall, Abreu not, uh, Vlad in the hall, Bobby Bonds not. You got Sheffield. Then you got Elmer Flick, Eno Slaughter, and Wee Willie Keeler all in. And then, um, well, I said till 26, but I'll just say Brian Giles and Jack Clark right after those two who are not in. And then Sam Rice and Harry Hooper. So that's actually 19 to 30, and it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Hall of Famers. And then some very worthy guys, and I think Chef is among them. Um, Abreu, for some reason, did he not like officially retire or something? Because he, the only reason I ask is because he still shows bold uh, on Baseball References page, which is supposed to denote active players. And I don't believe he's active. Did he play in like 
some winter league or something to to keep that bold let me see here no last time he played was 15 pretty sure he's retired anyway that's neither here nor there but yeah i think sheffield has a has a strong case without a doubt um and i think it, it bears out here with regards to him being around a lot of hall of famers i know some folks make the case for Barry, bobby bonds as well and then uh, sosa's just ahead of of winfield by the way and you know going sosa to sheffield is is five six players but it's 51.2 to 49.3 on the jaws scale it's it's just not that much um you know and larry walker even is at 58.7 he's way up there at 10 he, he absolutely belongs in um and then sheffield down at 49.3 now that's a substantial difference mind you but um what I, my the point of bringing that up is saying uh, is more to say how much Walker belongs in because I do think that Sheffield and Sosa and and even Abreu have real cases, uh, but then Walker should kind of be a slam dunk by comparison. At Duval State O'Mind says Mo Rivera is not one of the ten best players on this ballot. Ooh, that's gonna fire some folks up. Look, you know I understand that there's some. Um, there are feelings out there for sure with regards to relief pitchers and whatnot and, and how they should be treated. But the closer role and, and the importance of relief pitching is, is evident and the closer role is, is a position. The idea that, um, that Mo wasn't elite just doesn't hold up for me. And for me, postseason absolutely matters a ton. Now, I don't, it, it's as an addition, not so much that you dock folks for, you know, who did, you can't control whether you make the postseason or not, right? So I'm not going to clown someone and be like, ah, you know, he had 18 postseason at-bats. He just didn't get it done there. He was, he was two for 18 in his one opportunity or whatever, right? So it's not a limiting factor if you don't have the postseason numbers. But when you go put up 141 innings, which is basically two reliever seasons, two two extra seasons of a .70 ERA and a .76 whip, which is what Mo did, that's disgusting. In the in the in the tougher environment, the harder games of the postseason. Come on. I mean, that is so substantial. So I think he's he's in on his merits alone of of the um of just what he did as a as a nineteen year player in the regular season. But then you add on that postseason work and it's a no brainer. So I don't really agree there. The ballot is deep and I had a hard time coming up with my ten, but come on. Come on, that that's a little excessive there. I I can't I can't really get behind that that he's not one of the ten that is, that he's one uh, that he's not one of the ten best there. So disagree on that one. Um, that's a little hot take here that I like, but you know what? I asked for the hot takes, so that one did not disappoint as far as hot takes go. You hear me typing here? I'm actually trying to find my ballot. I sent my ballot. Uh, one of my friends was asking. You know, for a bunch of us in the MLB, the show community, to put our ballots up. And I'm trying to find mine. I had a hard time with it. It really was tough coming up. Oh, you know where it's going to be? It's going to be under my Twitter pictures. 
because I did a little pick for it. So don't mind me just looking here. Let's get to the next question while I continue to search for that. Uh, here's one from uh, at Avery M. Kindred, which I agree with. I was just talking about a little bit earlier um, with regards to these limits that, you know, the limiting stuff. Get rid of the 5% minimum rule, at least for the first three years of a player's eligibility. Also expand the maximum amount of votes from 10 to 20 or make it unlimited. Guys like Edgar Martinez, Fred McGurf, Billy Wagner, etc. shouldn't have to struggle with votes. Completely agree. Completely agree. And, you know, this is a tough one for me to fully crystallize my thoughts, but I'm going to, I understand, first off, I know everyone still wants somebody to get a unanimous vote. I don't know that a closer, even if it's the best closer ever, and I just got done saying how great Mo was, I don't know that he should be the first unanimous. You know, I'm, I'm a little torn on that. Like, if we already had a group of unanimous guys, and then he also joined them, you know, maybe, but if like Ken Griffey Jr. and Randy Johnson and Who's, who's like the highest? Tom Seaver? If like, and several other guys, by the way. I'm just naming a few off the top of my head. If they can't get unanimous, Mo Rivera doesn't have to be the first one. So, no on that. So, I agree with, with Kindred on this. Why have a max? That's so stupid. There's no point to having a max. It doesn't make any sense. Um, it's artificial. It just keeps the ballot clogged. And uh, it's it's effing things up right now. So my point on bringing that up with the Mo unanimous thing is that he might miss by a few. And there'll be some guys who might not vote for him. And they'll say, I didn't vote for him because I knew he was going to get in. And I wanted to make sure that this lesser represented guy gets a vote. I'm actually okay with that. I know that's tough because, especially because for me, I would want to be on the right side of saying, hey, I voted for this guy when he went in. But also, I think there's something you know, uh, cool about trying to be smart and vote strategically and make sure that some of these guys who definitely deserve votes get votes. And since they're going to put this BS limit on there, you kind of have to make some tough decisions there. So there, it'll probably be a situation where Mo does not go in unanimously. Uh, but if someone does come out and say that and say, yeah, I had to get my Larry Walker vote in and my, um, you know, my, my Mike Messina vote and my Scott Rowland vote. So I didn't go with Mo because I had no doubts that he would get in. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Uh, I did find my ballot, so I'll give my ballot here at the end. Next up is Brian Recca. I actually have a question. Most egregious one-and-done player since 2010. Top candidates include Jim Edmonds with 65, 64.5 F war. Carlos Delgado, 27 homers away from 500. Jorge Posada, top 15 WRC plus catcher. Johan Santana, Kofax-ish peak. I would say Kofaxian peak personally. Um, Kenny Lofton, literally 90s Tim Raines. Kevin Brown, 76.5 F war. Dude, that's a great list, by the way. And it goes back to, I love, these actually showed up in order, even though they're they're hours apart um, in the feed. It's almost like Twitter knew that these these two go back to back with Kindreds and then Brian's here because it's perfect. This is why the five percent minimum is BS and having the max votes is so stupid because it creates stuff like this that shouldn't happen. These are all viable candidates. I'm not saying they all belong in, but they all deserve a full dissection, and you can't do that when you have these stupid ass limits. And it just it's frustrating, man. Now these are guys these are gonna be some good veterans candidates. Uh and hopefully they don't mess that up. They they're not great, 
but uh, hopefully they, they, they do some good stuff here when these guys come to pass and, and they get a chance to bring some of these guys in. I have a hard time really zeroing in on one, but I'm going to go with Johan. Um, and honestly, I just play, I'm just playing favorites there because I couldn't really split them. And I do have a few uh, of my favorites from, from when I was a kid and, and the team on that list. Always loved Jim Edmonds. Had him on my fantasy league. I was in AL only. I talk about it a lot. 10-team AL only growing up. And uh, Jim Edmonds in L.A. Uh, was, was a big piece of some of my teams. Kenny Lofton was a god in that league. It was a 4x4 four four league. So I remember him absolutely decimating fools. And he was never on my team, but uh, really loved his game. And back in the day when uh, I was playing you know, video games with MLB, I, th- I feel like this is mostly a kid thing. I don't know. Because nowadays, like in MLB, the show is like seen as, as too cheesy or whatever. But like running a, a real big base stealing team or whatever. Um, I think I think younger folks are more apt to, to push toward the speed aspect there. And so I would always, you know, put Kenny Lofton on. Let's, you know, let's play with these Cleveland Indians. Let's get Lofton on, steal second and third. Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomei, drive him in, et cetera, et cetera. So always liked Lofton and uh, love Kevin Brown. Just just devastating. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge pitcher guy. So Santana and Brown are probably my two favorites there. And then and then Edmonds and Lofton are close. So I like all four of them. But if I have to pick one the, for the most egregious, I'd probably say, I'd probably say Santana. Most egregious is tough because you can make a case that, for the longevity standpoint, it's uh, it's Brown because he was so good for so long. But yeah, there's a there's a that peak there for Santana. 03 to ten, he might be the best pitcher in baseball there. Let me let me run those numbers real quick. 03 to ten, and just you know, it's not a perfect number. Uh, war, we know that, but let's just get. Let's just get War cooking here just to get an idea on our leaderboards and see where he stands. And then we'll look at kind of like ERA, WHIP, FIP, all that sort of stuff. Real fast, real fast. 03 to 10. He's number two. And he's only behind Roy Halladay. And he's like 50 innings behind him, which is, you know, a, a chunk. And that, that probably accounts for, well, no, it's 3.3 wins. 50 innings is not 3.3 wins there. Um, but he had a 289 ERA, Johan did. And I mean that's fantastic. The FIPS between the two, uh, so it was 306 ERA for Halliday, 289 for Santana. The FIPS were 326 Halliday, 331 Santana. The X FIPS were 319, 346. Um, you know Santana was more of a fly ball guy, Halliday more of a ground ball guy, more of a strikeout guy for Santana, more of a command and control artist for Halliday. They're both excellent. Um, so yeah, it's, for me, it's Santana, you know, he didn't have the longevity, but again, that's where I go back to, there are different types of hall of famers and doesn't always have to be the guy who put in 15 years of 200 inning seasons. You can have, you can be a peak hall of famer for me. So I, I have Santana there. And honestly, I'm, I want to see here looking at the, the war seven, now, this is back on B-Ref because they have this, this these Hall of Fame pages. War 7 has Johan 63rd. I would have thought it would I thought would have thought he was a little higher. Um, he's not super close to well actually he is because there's like a lot of like ties uh, or not even ties but just like small differences. 
like from 46 of that number 46 war seven to 44 encompasses 12 guys and johan's in that group there by the way 46.1 for kofax 45 for santana that's why they get so closely compared 40 44.8 for drysdale he's a hall of famer glavin 44.2 dizzy dean mordecai brown nolan ryan they're all hall of famers below santana on that um so yeah let's just go with overall when you go with the overall war that's the thing though that's basically santana's overall war that's why he gets so closely compared to Kofax. So, yeah, I'm, I I love Santana, but that's a good question there. Uh, let's see. Ah, here we go. Talking about uh, somebody I mentioned earlier. There are more than 200 players enshrined. I can't believe there isn't room for the guy who played more games at the most demanding infield position than anyone in history. Add in nearly 2,900 hits. How is he not a Hall of Famer? Half of every game is spent playing defense. Defense definitely something that, that gets underrated, right? Probably doesn't get its full due. He is talking about Omar Vizquel, by the way. And obviously, people instantly go to his offense to critique him. And, you know, he wasn't that good offensively, but that's only half the game. And we get too much, I think, in a fantasy mindset because hitting is obviously important, but so is defense. Defense is very, very important. And when you're playing shortstop, like, you know, you can make a case in the outfield, well, you know, how many chances are you going to get in a given game? You can go games with only getting a couple chances here and there, you know, especially if you got like a huge ground ball rotation or whatever. But at shortstop, you're getting chances, man. I, you know, how often, I wonder what the average chances per game is for, for a shortstop. Um, it's obviously the most important fielding position there is. Um, not necessarily defense position. Catcher's probably more important, but fielding, but out there making plays, not not the whole calling the game and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, actually, you know what I could do? Hello, I could do chances per game. He played 2,709 games, had 11,961 chances. Let's do quick maths. 4.4 chances a game. So you got four chances every game to do something. Like that's that's big. Well, hang on, that's actually no, no, those were his shortstop chances. Okay, I was looking, making sure I wasn't looking at his overall chances. So I mean, that's uh, that that's big, right? We talk about having four at bats a game to change the game. Well, he had more than that as a fielder on average, and did damn well with it. Was one of the best, you know. Talk about the impact that that hitters make. He was making a a similar impact, or maybe not similar to the very top hitters, but substantial. Vizquel was making a substantial impact at the most important fielding position on an average of four times a game, right? And there were definitely some games, of course, you know, there's some games where guys go five for six with, three homers and two doubles or something. There were definitely games out there, I'm sure of it, where he was putting up seven, eight, perhaps even ten chances that he turned into outs and and did stuff with because Vizquel could get to more stuff too. So I'm sure he played behind some uh, heavy ground ball pitchers that gave him the opportunity to really tip the scales. Let me see what his best uh, 
defensive seasons were. Let's see here. Wow, 1993, he had uh, 24 on his defensive value on fan graphs. It was minus 27 on offense. So he like, he like completely offset it with the offense. But oh, that's tough, man. If he could have just been a little bit better with the bat, he'd be a sure – like not even awesome, right? Just give me – Let's see. Well, he had an 83 WRC plus. Just give me like a 92. Just give me nine points more. I think that little could have been enough to make it so that Vizquel was a slam dunk guy. At any rate, I think with the elite defense, there's a case. I I didn't vote for him. Um, Let me look at my ballot again here. Yeah, I left him off. And it was a tough one. Pardon, pardon my sniffling. A little stuffed up today. A little, 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 little bit much on the uh, whatever. I don't know if it's pollen or what's in the air today, but it's a little got me a little got me a little murked. And I apologize there for the ASMR sniffling if it's if it's coming through the mic too hot. Um, all right, but moving on here. Uh, let's see. At Sean MD Turf says Mike Mussina should be in, but I kind of don't want him to make it because I'm sure he'll go in as a Yankee and not repping my Orioles. Hey, I appreciate the honesty. Um, at least you, you're owning that bias. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see who he did more damage with. Nah, you could make the case that he should go in with the O's. He put up 10 years versus 8 years, uh, 2009 innings with the O's, 1553 with the Yanks. He had a better ERA, better whip. You know, just he was just more impactful. Let me see if it splits the war. And again, because of some of their cat- categorizations and easy ways that they split things up, I am on B-Ref here. So I will be citing B-Ref war real quick, even though ours is better. We do everything better. No, I'm not going to get all tribal on it. But, uh, oh, yeah, substantial war difference with Baltimore, 47.8 to 35.2. You know, I know he did the playoff damage, Primarily with the uh, with the Yanks. Let me add up his his playoff numbers with each team. So with Baltimore, he didn't you know he didn't make it a ton. Unfortunately, he put up forty three innings of a two fifty three ERA. Damn, fifty three strikeouts as well. And then with the Yanks, Mike Mussina put up ninety seven innings of a three eighty ERA with ninety two strikeouts, twenty two walks, fourteen yaks. I mean that's it's a little bit tougher in the playoffs there. So. No, I, I think it could easily go in. I, by the way, I agree that Mucina should be in. I think it could easily go in as a uh, as an O. So don't 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 get your uh, don't get too de- don't get too dejected on that. You could end up getting your wish uh, across the board there. He could go in, and he can go in with the O's. Uh, next up, and again, these were like there were messages between them, and then Twitter kind of does their own thing on how they sort it. It is kind of crazy. I don't know if it reads it that well and can. Especially because they don't use the same name. The next guy, at Coach Bonner 15, says, Moose should have already gotten in. Travesty if he doesn't get in again this year. Also, Pete Rose, that is all again. I already mentioned my Pete Rose thing. No, I don't believe um, that he has the same case. as he, Obviously, on his numbers, he does. But he bet on baseball, man. And then, here's the thing, man. He could have already been in if he had just stopped lying at some point. Everyone knew you were lying, dude. You're like the six-year-old kid who like has five gallons of finger paint on the wall behind them. 
then they're standing there looking up at their mom saying, no, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I swears. I swears I didn't. And it's like, dude, every, you know, they got the paint on their hands and then all of it on the wall. And I, no, I, I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't, I swear. Like, come on. Everyone knew, dude. Everyone knew. If you just had fallen on the source that, yep, did it, got a problem. You know, you could have flipped it. Could have, you know. Let's be honest, could have manipulated folks. Could have just been like, oh, I have a big gambling problem. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And just own it, own it, own it. He'd already be in, Pete Rose. I believe that. I truly believe that. But yeah, I agree with Bob, uh, Coach Bonner, along with Sean. Moose should have already gotten in. Next up, the car wash underscore. He says, Cal Gibson is a lock. Get out of here. Get out of here right now. Uh, next up is at nothing Bennett. That's two N's, two T's. I don't know if it's a hot take, but any player who we know broke the rules, i.e. PEDs, roids, throwing games, domestic abuse, illegal drug use, shouldn't be in the hall. Basically anything that gets you suspended except for brawls. You know, because those are like within the game. I can, I can understand making the exception for brawls, by the way. Um, that's the morality cause, though, right? And voters can choose to undertake that and put that into consideration. You know, um, if you're a shitbag off the field, does that keep you out? I can understand making that case. Um, at the same time that I say that, I know I've voted for, or, or you know, fake voted. I don't have a vote. What, what I say doesn't really matter in that avenue. But I've voted for guys who've done shitty things. So I haven't upheld to that level where I say, yeah, they, they should totally be out. Um, but I don't think I would be against it either if it was something... Now, again, though, if you instate something like that for the off the field stuff, you know, getting DUIs and, and um, the domestic abuse, the heinous stuff like that, I get it. But then do you go remove folks, you know, or do you say, ah, we already made that mistake allowing guys in. Let's just eat it. I don't know. That's that's the tough one on that. And I don't have I don't have a solution there. Would be curious y'all's thoughts on that. So if you have any any uh, insights, definitely throw them in the uh, in the proverbial chat. Um, like I said, I'll link I'll link to the conversation here after uh, well in the show notes, so you can always find it there. But yeah, I don't know. I wish I wish I had an answer for that because uh, it's definitely. It's definitely a, a hot button issue and, and worth a further deep dive. But there is at least something in place that that voters themselves can, you know, give consideration to and decide what they want to do with it. And if they want to, you know, perhaps say, you know what? This guy did that. I don't want him anywhere near the Hall of Fame for me. Now, it'd have to be enough guys who agree to kind of keep them out. You can take your stance, but it unfortunately might just be symbolic if your brethren don't uh, don't adhere to the same thing. So, uh, but not an unfair point, you know, not 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 out of bounds to say that that's what you want to happen. Next up, uh, oh, here's a couple in a. Uh, Back-to-backers with uh, Sammy Sosa. First off, J.R. Howard 81 says Sammy Sosa should be a no-doubt Hall of Famer, way more deserving than down-ballot darlings like McGriff, Roland, 
Vizquel, etc., who never won MVPs. Clemens and Bonds getting love despite PD use. Where's the love for Slam and Sammy? And then just right after that, Big Philly Style 2 with just one L in Philly says Sammy Sosa should have been years ago. This uh, I'm a little intrigued by this. Um, let me make a quick little 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 list here on, uh, on Fangraphs. While I'm doing that, I'll take a quick drink. Yeah, I'm going to work one-handed while also taking a drink to speed up things. So what I'm doing is I'm going to put some of these guys together in a custom list because I don't really agree on the down ballot darlings thing or that Sosa's necessarily some lockdown stud. Absolutely worthy of consideration and um, of, you know, getting a full examination, even with the PED situation. But I don't know that I agree that he's some lockdown. How have we not gotten Sosa in yet? That That's, that's where I kind of push back a little bit. So just on the vehemence of the argument, I think, is, is where I uh, kind of push back. And we'll add. Okay. Why is it? You know. This the, always goes so fast, searching for the players, putting them on for me. And then this moment when I need it to be the fastest because I'm in the midst of a podcast and I'm not going to go through and edit this out. It's deciding to kind of slowly search. So let me go all the way back to when the first one started their career. Actually, I'll just go to 1930. That'll, that'll encompass all of them easily. All right. So just looking on... Fangraph's offensive war. First off, I'm going to put Clemens out because he's not a hitter. And I'm just kind of looking at the hitters here to kind of get something that's a little bit more universal. Just looking at war. War's not an end-all be-all. It doesn't end the discussion. It's a great starting point, though, for things. Sosa is absolutely nowhere near Bonds. So to invoke Bonds, and I think the same goes for Clemens, to be honest. So to invoke those two and then say, well, where's Sosa's love? misses it for me because I don't think you can do that and and pretend that because they get the love that that they deserve that uh, Sosa should be right there with them should he have some consideration and and be well thought of here yes is he in the stratosphere of Bonds and Clemens no not even close um and he has 60 war to Bonds is 164 now you talk about the down ballot darlings Biscell, because his offense is so poor, he only musters up 42 war. Pretty much all done defensively. He's, he's, he was hurt by his, his offense. So, yeah, he's the lowest of the bunch. So let's focus on the trio here of Scott Rowland, Fred McGriff, and Slam and Sammy Sosa. I'll let you take a guess real quick in your minds. I'll give you some uh, volume here. 85-15 plate appearances for Rowland. 98-96 for Sosa. 10 1,174 from a Griff. You just kind of, in your head, who's uh, who's got the highest war? You ready? Three, two, one. Fred McGriff has 56.9. Sammy Sosa, 60.1. Scott Rowland, 69. Nice, point nine. He's the top dog here, despite having the fewest plate appearances, because not only was he a tremendous hitter, he was an elite defender. And if you look at something like Woba or WRC+, Plus, uh, either or, really, he's just two points behind Sosa. 368, 122, 
to 370-124. So his bat was basically equivalent, and then you add an elite defense at a in an important position of third base. Roland is not just a down-ballot darling. He should absolutely be in, especially if you're going to be this vehement for Sosa. Now, you can do the Sosa-McGriff debate. I'm cool with that. And I do think the only thing that keeps McGriff pumped up and Sosa kept down is that uh, McGriff is believed to have done it 100% pure. And I I don't have proof to the contrary, so I, I agree with that. Um, you know, unless I have proof... Otherwise, I, I, I'm not going to assume that he did it. And then Sosa is, you know, I believe he's he's known, right? He was on the Mitchell Report. Am I crazy on that? If I'm wrong on that, please please reach out. I don't want to, again, just be throwing things that, that I, I, but I thought we had some more concrete. Obviously, he did not fail a test the way none of the guys in the 90s and early 2000s did. But um, that's what's holding Sosa back versus McGriff. And he does. He is better than McGriff. So, yes, put one, put both for me. Um, that said, I need to make an amendment then on my on my vote because I'm looking at my vote, which I'll get to here in a moment. I voted McGriff, not Sosa. Need to do a further deep dive, and I got to get both on there because um, shouldn't really have one without the other. Or if I'm gonna have one first to you know kind of say hey let me get this one in and then get back to the other one it should be Sosa over McGriff so I agree I agree to that end that that he should probably be in and he definitely deserves a lot of consideration for Sammy Sosa but I disagree that um you know acknowledging that Clemens and Bonds are getting a lot of love means Sosa should be too he's nowhere near them and that he's um above the down ballot darlings by any appreciable measure McGriff rolling in Vizquel yes Vizquel because the his offense just didn't didn't get there but then when you look at McGriff Roland and Sosa he's right there with them Sosa is and Roland Scott Roland is the best of that bunch next up is Jeremy Latsky he says Halliday cruising in on the first year while Johan fell off after one isn't criminal but certainly ridiculous yeah, I can get behind that because we already talked about Johan and Roy. I believe that Halliday is a very worthy and, and uh, viable candidate. I have no, absolutely no problem with him getting in, but his his getting in without you know, and Johan not getting in, I think there's a disconnect there. I do agree with that, and I do wonder if um, you know the untimely and, and very sad death propelled. Johan, or excuse me, propelled Roy in, you know, um, and that would be a little bit, uh, a little bit concerning. You know, I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily, necessarily fair to kind of do it that way. So, um, yeah, I, I agree that I absolutely, uh, I love both pitchers. Really, I really do. Hang on, let me see if I can get this announcement here live. Are we doing it right now? Do I have this? What, what's going on? Why can't the sound come through? This is not good, what I'm doing here. <laughs> is it because I'm recording something I can't also have this on? I've got it on full blast and it's not playing this audio. So that would have been cool if I could have if I could have gotten it. I failed. Oh, you know what I could do? First off, I can go to the next question, but I can pull it up on this other computer. I'm just loaded with computers over here. Actually, I just have two. 
it's not it's next though it's coming up next it's not yet i think it's at 5 30 my time perhaps i don't know i'm born y'all with that so anyway i thought they were doing it now it looked it looked official it looked like they were getting into it and i was wrong um all right let's see couple others here at dander underscore bogarts the one i'm taking heat for is that uh, is the one that says the first unanimous Hall of Famer should have at least won one MVP award. I don't think that that's completely out of bounds. I, I, I think I kind of agree with that. Um, at least to the to the end that I was saying, hey, you know, um, should Mo? The idea that Mo should be the first unanimous one is what I push back on when some of these other guys who are unquestionably better, and in my opinions much more deserving of such they didn't get in now we're going to say that that he absolutely should be the first unanimous that's where i push back so i kind of agree there because i was saying guys like griffey and um well obviously walter johnson uh well wait did he win mvps because the side wasn't around he might have won mvps yeah he did but like tom Seaver, i don't think won an mvp but he won a sigh you know did he win a sigh? yeah he won three sides hello so yeah i mean it's like ba- that's basically like pitcher mvp so anyway i think that's going to wrap us up uh there's a couple other uh, sorry if i didn't get to yours because some of them kind of are um repeats or or very close spins on some of the stuff that we've already talked about here so i just kind of uh skipped over just just a couple i tried to get to most actually one more here because i didn't see this one at trip dad 05 andy pettit one of the best postseason pitchers of all time hall of fame nod question mark yeah, I think he's right there. I don't know if I've got him in right away. Um, it's his first year on the ballot. I don't think he has to be a first ballot. By the way, I don't put a whole lot of, you know, with the first ballot. I also don't believe that someone says, like, oh, you should automatically be. If you're in, you're in. The first ballot, whatever, that doesn't matter. I don't know, man. With this crowded ballot, some guys can't get in on the first ballot. Sorry. Um, I don't put a ton of weight on that but as far as like getting a full deep dive and really paying attention to what moose or excuse me what pettit did yes i think he deserves a lot of consideration i don't know if i've got him in i haven't done the full deep dive i do think his postseason is something to really consider though because this is regular season numbers alone don't get him there but you're talking about 277 innings of basically another season plus Let's see, uh, what's the most innings he ever pitched? 240. That was back when guys were still, back in my day. Um, But, you know, we'll call it like a season plus of 381 ERA and 131 whip, which is basically what he did as a uh, regular season guy. But when you're doing another season of what you did in the regular season and not, not having any fall off, that counts a little extra for me because you would expect a little fall off in the postseason because it's more difficult. So Pettit's close for me, not quite. I didn't get him. I didn't vote him on on this ballot, which I'm going to tell you guys is my my ten. Um, but I would I would give him full examination. All right. So without further ado, here are my ten guys for this year, and I already mentioned that. I put McGriff, and I didn't put Sosa, and between the two, I think I would actually lean Sosa, so maybe I have to amend that a little bit, but the 10 I checked off, sent to my buddy as my, you know, quote-unquote official vote, even though it doesn't matter 1%, I have Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Edgar Martinez, Fred McGriff, Mike Mussina, Mariano Rivera, Scott Rowland, 
Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, and Larry Walker. So the notables that I left off that that definitely garnered some pushback were Halliday, um, Sosa, Wagner, Billy Wagner, um, Placido Polanco. Everyone was like, hey, why didn't you get Placido? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's see, who else? Andrew Jones, Todd Helton. And it's just the depth of the ballot. There are several guys. Manny Ramirez, of course. But he also had he has suspensions. So it's it's different. It, it is. It really is. I know that, sound, that might sound like a ridiculous line to draw, but I think it is a bit different. Uh, I think that covers it as far as the guys who... Oh, Berkman is, is a, has a viable case. So those are the guys that I, I couldn't... That's seven guys, right? Let's see. What did I say? Uh, Berkman, Halliday, Helton, Andrew Jones... Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez, Sammy Sosa, Omar Vizquel, Billy Wagner. That's nine. I added a couple there. Royal Oswald, you can get ten more. Ten more that deserve like a heavy consideration. Andy Pettit, 11 more who deserve hella consideration. It's such a deep ballot. Stop limiting it. Limiting it. It's very stupid to have this limit. But those are mine. Uh, go ahead and put in comments of this uh, of this post who yours are, or hit me up on Twitter at Sporer, S-P-O-R-E-R. We're, we're minutes away from the announcement, so we're going to know who got in. Let me see what uh, on on Mr. Tibbs, not Mr. Tibbs, Ryan Thibodeau, runs the uh, the fantastic tracker. Let's take a quick look at who's tracking as of 5.11 Central Time on uh, on the day of January 22nd. Who's tracking in on the, his ballots? It's Mo with the 100% on the ballots that he's seen. Roy Halladay. Edgar Martinez and Mike Mussina. They're all at 82% or better. And then the substantial percentages that could change because he only has uh, 56% of the ballots you know, that, that are in the voting pool. Clemens and Bonds at 71% apiece. Schilling at 70. Larry Walker at 66. So they got those four. And then it's a cut below that I don't think that unless the the not non-public ballots the private ballots would change so much they i don't think we're getting mcgriff in at 40 percent viscalin at 38 manny at 25 and Roland at 21 and then there's a bunch of low stuff there so that's where we're at uh it looks like miguel tejada has at least one vote he has 0.9 percent that's irresponsible i'm sorry that's stupid when the ballot is this deep um and and you're just giving a token vote Michael Young has 1.3%. So that's a couple. Let me see what that is. Yeah, that's three votes. You're stupid. Don't do that. I'm sorry. I, I, I understand it's your vote. It's, I, I, I know. Should, I shouldn't get into the uh, name calling. It's irresponsible, though. I, I won't say that. I won't say you're stupid. It's irresponsible to do that because the ballot is way too cluttered for you know i don't want to say joke votes but like token votes it's way too cluttered way too much stuff needs way too many guys need to get in for that anyway that's how i feel let me know what you guys think on everything and uh and we'll have a great time debating it if you don't care about the hall of fame sorry this one probably wasn't for you but i know a lot of folks still do even those who say they don't ah it's a joke i don't care about it and all they do is tweet about it <laughs> i have things like that too i i can't think of any off the top but i've had stuff where i'm like i this is so stupid i couldn't care less about it i'm in 52 discussions about it yeah i, I could definitely care less 
but I don't mind. You know, I, th- that's not how I feel about the Hall of Fame. I, I do kind of care about it to a degree. I like I like the banter. I like analyzing guys. I like kind of having the classes of Hall of Famer uh, with the inner circle, the accumulator, the the peak, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. I will be back tomorrow with Nick. Tomorrow being Wednesday, the twenty third. Oh, it's my brother's birthday. And uh, and then Friday with, with Justin. So you're getting a three-peat this week. Three-pack this week is what I should say, not a three-peat. So, uh, all right, have a good one. Goodbye. Bienvenido al Salam de la Fama del Baseball. Over 18 seasons with the Seattle Mariners, Edgar batted 312 with 309 home runs and 514 doubles, retiring as the team's all-time leader in runs, doubles, walks, RBI, extra base hits, and total bases. Seven-time All-Star, won five Silver Slugger Awards, finished among the American League's top five and on-base percentage ten times, three times leading the league. He drove in 100 or more runs six times, scored 100 or more runs five times, and won a pair of batting titles. Taveo in Cooperstown, Edgar. Our next Hall of Famer used electric stuff to win, win, and win again. It's with a heavy heart, but also with great joy to welcome pitching great Roy Halladay into the Hall of Fame. Doc pitched for 16 seasons in Toronto and Philadelphia, winning 66% of his decisions, 20th best in history, posting three seasons with 20 wins and two more with 19. He was a power pitching workhorse who had five 200 strikeout seasons on his impressive resume, and he logged 200 or more innings eight times. Bach led his league in complete games seven times, and his career total of 67 are the most in baseball since his debut 21 years ago in 1998. He was an all-time, an eight-time All-Star, two-time Cy Young Award winner, and the author of two no-hitters, both in 2010 for the Phillies, a perfect game in May that year, and then another no-hitter five months later in the National League Division Series. Brandy, Brian, and Braden, I know you're proud. Congratulations. Your husband and father will now forever be remembered in Cooperstown. Our third new Hall of Famer's knuckle curve had attitude, and he effectively used latitude to baffle hitters for 18 seasons. Mike Musina, welcome to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Moose split his career between the Yankees and Orioles and was remarkably consistent. He won 15 or more games and also locked 200 or more innings 11 times, earned Cy Young Award votes nine times, and was among the top five American League pitchers in earned run average on seven occasions. He was 117 games over 500, and the five-time All-Star earned nearly two-thirds of his 270 wins in three hitters ballparks, Yankee Stadium, Camden Yards, and Fenway Park. Moose defines the geographical journey of so many kids' dreams growing up in the birthplace and home of Little League Baseball in Williamsport, and now, a half century later, he'll be honored in Cooperstown. Congratulations, Mike. We'll see you in July. Nuestro Cuarto El 
Último nuevo miembro, un momento, me parece que estoy escuchando Enter Sandman. Se une Rod Carew como el segundo panameño en lograr el más alto honor del béisbol, Mariano Rivera. Bienvenido al Salón de la Fama del Béisbol en Cooperstown. Mariano spent his entire 19-year career in Yankee pinstripes, and when he was on the hill, with a signature putter in tow, it was lights out, game over. He ranks first all-time in saves and games finished, and his career whip of an even one ranks third all-time in the best since 1910, among pitchers with at least a thousand innings, in 17 full seasons. Moe's ERA was sub-2 11 times, and his lifetime 2.21 ERA is the lowest in baseball over the last 90 years. He was a 13-time All-Star, and in 141 postseason innings, he went 8-1 and one with 42 saves and a ridiculous 0.70 ERA, winning five championships along the way. And he may be the last player ever to enter Cooperstown wearing number 42 like the great Jackie Robinson. Mariano, bienvenido al Salón de la Fama del Baseball. We will see you and most of New York on July 21st in Cooperstown. Wow, Jeff, outstanding. Uh, I feel like a well, There it is. Four go in. We weren't sure you could follow. Those are the four that Thibs had with the ballots. So nobody jumped up. Let me turn that down a little bit. Um, yeah, those were the four that, that were on on tracking on the ballots there. Mariano Rivera, Edgar Martinez, Roy Halladay, Mike Mussina. They all get in. So Clemens, Bonds, and Schilling, and Walker were the four that maybe could have gotten in with some of the private ballots coming through. They did not. So uh, there it is. What a, what a class. That's going to be a hell of an induction ceremony. Look forward to hearing the the speeches from all four guys. Congratulations there. Figured, you know, right as I ended the podcast, they did the announcement. Eh, just go ahead and tack this on to the end. So if you if you've even found this, right, because it's going to come after the outro song, if you see, hey, there's like a few more minutes. What the heck is this? A little bonus. A little bonus you can hear it, even though it's not even that fresh because you're going to know by the time you listen to this what happens. It's not like this is a live stream. But anyway, there you go. Thanks. Goodbye.